Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN.com. And although BTN slows down a bit in the summer, this is actually the last weekend of live programming with the Big Ten Baseball Tournament going on. For a while here at the network, the Take 10 Podcast rolls on. We'll continue to deliver episodes as often as we can this summer. We will not slow down or stop here on the Take 10 Podcast. So uh, stay tuned for future episodes and definitely keep it locked for this one. We've got a guest who probably had one of the best nicknames in all of college football and also delivered one of the best upsets in all of college football back in 2007, uh, none other than former Illinois quarterback Juice Williams. Juice was back in his hometown of Chicago this weekend in the BTN studio. He was able to stop by, and he was here mainly to do a, a Facebook Live sit-down with me where we rewatched a couple of old games from his playing days at Illinois, but I was also able to uh, sit him down for a podcast discussion as well. So we got about 30 minutes of podcast talk coming up here, and definitely check out the Facebook Live we did with Juice as well on the BTN Facebook page where Juice watched the upset over Ohio State in 2007 where the Illini knocked off the Buckeyes and a win over Michigan in 2008 when Juice Williams set the big house record for total yards in that game with 431. So had a lot of fun sitting down and reminiscing with Juice Williams and we'll get to the podcast discussion here in just a moment. Before we talk with Juice, just a quick reminder that Take 10 Podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean, so subscribe on those outlets if you have not already. If you're listening on SoundCloud, hop on over to one of those podcast streaming platforms and subscribe, and leave a rating and review if you like the show as well. And one more reminder, here on the Take 10 Podcast, we do have a promo code on the btn.com online store for you to take advantage of. It is Take 10, capital T-A-K-E-1-0, and that Take 10 promo code will let you take 10% off any order on the btn.com online store. So get all your uh, Big Ten gear over on the btn.com online store and save a little money through the Take 10 podcast while you're at it. All right, so let's get to our interview with none other than Juice Williams, one of the most recognizable Illinois football players of all time, certainly this century. And we talk a good amount amount about his current undertakings, what he's up to today. He's uh, doing well outside of football, as we'll get to in just a moment. And it's just a really uh, good guy to sit down and talk to, able to pick his brain. And he gets really in-depth in the Facebook Lives, as you'll see if you're able to watch those uh, rehashings of, of those games. He remembers very well a lot of the technical aspects of football and even individual plays. But he also uh, is very good at explaining describing some of his memories from his days at Illinois and even before that. So we'll get into to plenty here in the next half hour, and I'll stop talking about it so you can listen to the actual thing. So let's get into it right now. It's a Take 10 podcast discussion with Juice Williams. I am very pleased to be joined in Chicago by former Fighting Line football quarterback. Uh, he made a Rose Bowl in his time there. One of the all-time leading yard accruers, yard gainers in Big Ten history. <laughs> None other than Juice Williams. Juice, what's up, man? Hey, how we doing, Alex? I'm doing great. I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's cool to sit down next to you after watching you play growing up um, as a both a native of Champaign and a student at Illinois. Um, many fans listening obviously know about your career at Illinois, but first off, I want to start off on what you've been up to since your playing days because everyone remembers the Rose Bowl year, yeah. the years after that. What have you been up to since Champagne? Yeah, so I had a, I have a bit inter- interesting story, and I'll try to give you the, the, the short, sweet, to the point uh, version of it. 
Uh, upon graduation, I had the opportunity to join the Chicago Bears rookie mini camp as an un- uh, unsigned free agent. Um, joined the camp, um, you know, obviously for the people who track me, uh, that appointment with the Bears was short-lived, uh, but got a chance to wear the C. I've been a you know, huge fan growing up. So to wear the Bears, the Bears helmet, uh, even during that short period of time, was something that you know I uh, remember. And I got a chance to meet Lovey, uh, Lovey Coach Lovey Smith, who's uh, uh, currently the coach down to Illinois uh, for the first time. Great guy. We built, we pretty much developed the bond since that day. So him joining Illinois now is, I mean, is, is huge. Um, so I was with the Bears for a little bit. From there, I kind of bounced around. Um, I was signed up to Canada preseason going into 2011. Opted out of that because I had a little girl at the time. In fact, I had. I had a little girl when I had another one on the way, my son Layden. Um, and my current girlfriend at the time was like seven months pregnant. I just didn't want to go to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just played arena football a little bit for, you know, the, the next, you know, uh, three to four years. Myself and uh, Illinois teammate Daniel Dufresne for the Chicago Slaughter. So we played there, really loved the game, had a great time with it. Uh, you really start to appreciate football um, as you see it, you know, played in a different light and with different rules and things like that. And I actually had a, had an opportunity to play wide receiver for uh, for a season. And ironically, and I probably should have entertained that thought a little bit upon graduation, I led the league in re, uh, receptions, reception yards, and touchdowns. Wow. First time ever playing receiver. Wow! And I've done it just. So you had that natural gift. Yeah, I mean, you watch. I mean, you watch enough receivers. You throw enough routes, right? So, but the biggest thing was as a quarterback, I understand holes in the defense. And I know who, where the zones, are, the soft spots in the zone. So I, can, I knew how to just get there and just make myself visible. And uh, we had a pretty good year there. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, then I had an opportunity to go back in 2014 to join the Fighting Line football staff as director, former player, in high school relations. And uh, great experience. I got a chance to see college football from a staff perspective. Um, again, just another appreciation of the sport because you see, you know, how much work the coaching staff actually put in the time that spent the time away from your, you know, your, you spend with your families. You know, you dedicate that to the guys on the team. So it was a great experience. I got a chance to be around some of those good guys, uh, some of the guys who, whom are currently playing the NFL now. And um, but from there, my wife and I we decided to make a transition from Champaign to Washington D.C. She ran, she ran track at undergrad uh, at Georgetown, and she was on the job market to become a professor in Georgetown Law. And it's kind of hard to say as great as Illinois is, kind of hard to say no to Georgetown Law. Can't turn it down, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the so the opportunity you know took us to to D.C. Um, and now I am in the finance world as a financial advisor. Uh, life is great. Uh, we have a nine-month-old daughter named Layla, uh, which gives me a total of three. Uh, yeah, so life is good, man. Just living in D.C. And um, I get back to Chicago all the time. But a lot of my family and friends are still here. So I'm literally here like once, maybe twice a month. So I'm, it's hard. To, I really haven't had a chance to miss it yet. Uh, but you know, DC has been great. DC is uh, is awesome at the at, at the current moment, and uh, having uh, having a blast with life. Awesome. All right, yeah, Juice, that's awesome. Uh, glad to hear that that you're doing well. I know you've been a, a beloved Illini figure. Uh, those teams are remembered very fondly, even even ten years later. Uh, I want to get back into your time playing indoor football because I feel like that's a, a space a lot of fans don't know a whole lot about. Um, once you're kind of off the NFL radar, those leagues aren't as visible. So, how did you get involved with an indoor football team? And uh, how many years total did you play? And how how did those experiences kind of? I know you mentioned that they uh, really made you love football more, but but how did those go? I guess big picture. Yeah. So one, I got introduced to indoor football. Uh, former teammate Illinois, Daniel Dufresne, mm-hmm. because once he left and he uh, he had to stand, I think with Cincinnati Bengals. 
Same thing, rookie mini camp. He he actually may have made it to training camp in August, um, but immediately following that, he jumped right into the arena, uh, the arena world, and he was doing great with it. So at the time, it was going into maybe I think game nine of that season out of twelve, and the quarterback got hurt. So he immediately went to the side and said, "Hey, Juice is still in Champagne. Give him a call. He might be interested." I'd never heard of the Chicago slide, and I'm from Chicago, so right. it's like, how can I not hear my, you know, you know, hometown indoor That's football? What I'm saying, yeah. It's like, what is that? Right. right. So, you know, he showed some clips online. I was like, all right, it looks fun. I mean, I've, I, I kind of equated it to arena football, and it's slightly different. The rules are slightly different, so it's kind of you gotta be really, really careful how you label indoor and arena football. But very, very similar. So, uh, Dufresne was my entryway into getting into arena football. Now, overall, big picture. Quite frankly, it helped me with my sanity because at a, at a at a for a long time, maybe the first year or two outside of out of college, I was frustrated. You know, just dealing with life and and coming to the realization that I'm not playing in the NFL because as a kid, you grow up and myself in particular, you now have a dream from you know seven years old all the way up into you know I graduated from college to play in the NFL, and especially I have a career like I had at Illinois, you know, break so many records and have you know some of these you know pivotal wins and things like that um you know quite naturally things like i have a shot i have a, i'll have a legit shot to play in the nfl at least a few years to kind of get my feet wet and things like that and create you know kind of change the course of my family's life but i wasn't afforded the opportunity i struggled with it mentally to be quite frank with you so that that was my way of having that that release and proving to myself that hey you can still play you know it's just opportunities just may have an aligned for you but it's not a, a knack on your ability so that allowed me to go out there and showcase it, still have fun with the play with some great guys great experience and um, that extended you know my, my playing days a little bit so when did you uh hang them up for good when was the last arena football or indoor football season for you yes yeah, so my last season in fact was 2016 because I actually, when we moved to D.C., there's an there's an indoor team uh, in Pennsylvania, which is like an hour and a half from the uh, from the city of D.C. Um, uh, there's, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. Uh, the Pennsylvania Capitals, that's the name of it. Played that play for a season. Uh, first couple of games just kind of shook the rust off. But, again, just like I can... I can play. Right. I can still play. It was still the dominant force and being able to go out there and make a ton of plays and had a lot of fun with the sport, uh, with the game. Uh, but that was the last season I played, so two years ago. To be honest with you, again, we're just speaking, you know, quite frankly. Uh, so right now, current teammate, from, uh, former teammate from University of Illinois, Chris Duvall, yep. wide receiver for me. Sure. He's currently playing for the Washington Valors, the okay. arena football team. And I just went to the game last weekend. It's always hard to go and watch a game like that, especially when you know you can play. And he's kind of nudged me. He's like, hey, Juice, I need my quarterback. I need my quarterback. And it's right in to be so accessible because I'm right there in the city. So I mean, you look like you can still play. You're coming in. You, you, know, look like, you look like you just stepped off the field. Illinois, so. I try to keep it together. You yeah. know, I'm trying, I'm trying to hold, hang on to my year. I just turned 30 this past uh, November. So I'm trying to hang on to that 25-year-old body and try to hang on to that to as, as, as long as hey, possible. If you, so. if you hop back in the game, we'll have the scoop here. So yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so your uh, financial advisor is at Merrill Lynch now? Yes, at Merrill Lynch. All right, Merrill so Lynch. was it hard to kind of let go of football and, and slide into more of a desk job, or was it a, a natural transition for you? Yeah, it's tough. Like I said, I mean, during that, that, that period of, you know, the frustration period, you again, you just kind of in a space where you think your life should be one way, and you just kind of stuck there for a while. But 
you know, I, I had to come to terms with myself and just be honest. Like, all right, yes, I can sit here and soak in this sort of misery and stay here for the rest of my life. Or, you know, you learn from the experience and you move on to the next thing. So as I start, you know, get further and further away from my college years, that transitioned over into, you know, the desk job of corporate America, I like to explain it. Um, it became a lot smoother. So I started to find things that I was good at, started to find things that kept my attention that I wanted, that, that inspired me. Uh, it kind of, you know, I found the game within that, and it led to finance. And now, you know, it's something that I'm excited about. Uh, it's a lot of things that I could transition over from football to the professional world. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. I'm able to help help families out, small businesses out, and things like that. And, um, you know, get them in, get, get, create a certain piece of, you know, financial freedom and, 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 and a peace of mind for them in their situation. So it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. That's awesome. So in this building, you're Juice Williams. Out there, you might be Isaiah Williams, but how often do you get recognized, even out in D.C., as, hey, that's Juice Williams? All the time, mainly because, so Illinois has something, some crazy number of, I think, eight or 9,000 yeah, living alums yeah, right. in the DMV area. So it's very easy to bump it to someone and say, hey, I'm Isaiah Williams. And you start to, most people don't just like, oh, Isaiah, nice to meet you, Isaiah. <laughs> but you start to have a conversation, you start to dig into him a little bit. Yeah, so where do you go to undergrad? So I play football at the University of Illinois. And they pause, so they wait. Mm-hmm. What years did you play? And I tell them, it's like, oh, you're juice. So it always and comes even, out in every regard. Even if they're not Illinois guys. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just yeah. football fans. You know Ohio State or, or Michigan fans will remember you as yep. well. So, yep. All right, so uh, got your post-grad days pretty well covered in D.C. now. I want to take it back to your pre-Illinois days a little bit, though. And we take it back as early as possible because I remember this urban legend when you were playing was uh, just how how big of a baby you were. You were like 13 pounds or something <laughs> coming out the womb. Right. So is that, is that true? What's the official number? And and how serious was that? As you know, being that big of a a baby just from yeah. a physical standpoint. Yeah, 13 pounds, eight ounces. Uh, is is what I was told. Of course, I can't verify because <laughs> I was a little too young to even understand numbers. Uh, 13 pounds, eight ounces. Uh, my mom had me via cesarean section. Um, yeah, you know that was my entry went into into the world. Then you know you asked my mom, she 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 recognized something unique there because you know all of her children were on the larger side, but I by far was the was the biggest one. And just like even you know just my days are just crawling around and just moving throughout the house. You know she often you know telling me stories of how a little bit further advanced I was in terms of starting to walk in, um, you know, in, in, in my earlier months and just being a little bit more ambitious in terms of, like, going out and just playing activities and taking chances, taking risks and things like that. And, you know, far as the, far as I can remember from that standpoint, I always loved sports. My, my older brother, Rashad Haynes, uh, who's eight years older than me, and he played football. In fact, he played quarterback, which is the reason why I played quarterback. Um, you know, he pretty much introduced me to the sport, and he pretty much – taught me the sport until I was in the place where I was able to go out there and start to learn on my own and I fell in love with the game I fell in love with with the strategy I, I fell in love with the contact and of course you know being in Chicago the sport is basketball like if you grow up as a kid in Chicago sh- sh- uh, basketball should be a sport which I and I still play but it was just something about the contact and you know the brotherhood you have in the locker room and things like that and that sort of just took off took off as as my sport my go to sport definitely and you went to the same high school in Chicago it's legendary Dick Buckus Chicago Vocational Academy what kind of presence did his i guess aura or legacy have at that school with you coming up through that football program yeah it was huge i mean you you talk about one of the not not one of you know one of the best in terms of school history. He's one of the best in sport history. Arguably the best linebacker to ever play. 
And for what I hear, just amazing stories of how, you know, talked speaking about his character, how much of a great guy he was. And then, ironically, he goes to the University of Illinois, has a dominant career there, and goes and, you know, makes history in the NFL. So, you know, my thing is, you know, what other person to idolize in a sport, you know, with someone from the alma mater, from high school and college. Now, if I could change anything, I would, I would like to have seen Dick Buckets play quarterback, but... Uh, but him being, you know, a linebacker and, you know, playing, I think he played center to Illinois. Uh, you know, he really created a pathway for me to come from from Chicago vocation and go to the University of Illinois with an easy transition and speak highly of the university. So um, it's a guy I, I try to stay in touch with as much as I can. He, I know he lives out in California now, but he's been an inspiration in high school. He's been an inspiration to me to this day. Yeah, you and Dick Buckus kind of had similar trajectories career-wise as far as you both got there when the program was not in a good place and had a quick turnaround, went to a Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl yeah. And, um, you know, now this, the program's kind of in a similar place that it was before both of you guys got there, you know, with the two win seasons and not a lot of success going on down there. So why did you end up choosing Illinois? Why did you decide to stay home? Yeah, so I look beyond, you know, the, the current status of the program. Like, yes, Illinois was struggling, not you know, – Honestly, like I, I, I asked myself, why, why am I sticking, staying firm to this commitment right now? Because I think we went two and nine that year, the year I was my senior of high school. Um, but I look beyond that. You know, I saw something within the coaching staff because you know, at the end of the day, those are the folks you 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 build a relationship with. You're going to know for the rest of your life. Those are the people who you're going to be around, who's going to train, who's going to help groom you from a young boy into a man. Um, academically, Illinois comes second to none. Great curriculum, great, uh, great support, great resources at the university, and you know, on a personal level, I had opportunity to play early as a freshman. Ever since you know, flag football, pop Warner, like I've always been able to go out there and play. I've always been a starter, and I knew that'll be an adjustment if I had to go somewhere and wait two or three years to have opportunity to play. I didn't necessarily want to take that route, um, so I had opportunity to do that. University of Illinois, they were the first school to come in offer me scholarship. And uh, and it just worked. And from there, once I committed, I started to recruit, you know, people who I've met uh, s- sort of through, like, the different Nike camps and other, you know, other in-state guys. And we started to get a bunch of people on board. We started to get, you know, guys like Chris James, Avante Davis, and Jeff Cumberland, and Uh-Oh, and all those guys. Mm-hmm. They jumped in the, they jumped in the wagon with me, and uh, we started to create a, a pretty powerful, dynamic recruiting class. And that led to 2007's class, 2008's class. So we started to build something, and, uh, you know, uh, I guess I guess the rest of uh, Illinois history speaks for itself. And Illinois fans listening now can kind of hear the pattern that's similar to what you just mentioned that's developing now. With yeah. like ironically, not only a great quarterback committing and kind of that excitement around the program building and recruits talking to each other, but the guy's name is Isaiah Williams. Yeah, this this recruit out of St. Louis that committed out of the uh, twenty nineteen classes on the way. What did you think about, or what did, what did you feel when you first heard that? There's a dude, a quarterback, you know, five stars like yourself. You were a very highly rated recruit coming up and uh, considering Illinois. And then once he committed, I saw you reaching out on, on social media and all that. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I think, uh, you know, like you said, I, I, I immediately kind of reverted back to my experience of going through the recruiting uh, process. And I remember just like, yes, it's not record-wise. I probably could go somewhere else that's a little bit better that has a current tra- sort of track record of being a successful winning program. But, you know, if I, I found, I found you know, value in the University of Illinois for whatever reason, and I immediately thought that, hey, you know, this kid is doing exactly the same thing. So I would love to encourage that, you know, to see someone take a leap of faith, a, a guy who could pretty much go anywhere in the country, decide to go to the University of Illinois, um, 
you know, get there, make a commitment early and dedicates himself to, you know, pulling other guys and jumping on with them. That's exactly what I did uh, coming through the process, like I just mentioned. So, I mean, if anything, if, you know, it's one of the things I, you know, I mentioned to him when I had the opportunity to meet him, say, hey, you know, you can't do this thing alone, you know, and if you really want to be successful, Football is a sport. You need your teammates. You got to have an offensive line. You got to have a dynamic running back. You got to have receivers going to catch the ball for you. So, you know, if that means you know you try to pull other guys with you, you absolutely do that. I mean, I think that's uh, I think that's that's smart and intelligent to do. And you've done it. And you've committed early enough to make to pick up. You know, uh, you know, make up some ground in terms of recruiting uh, the recruiting space because you got you know nine months into signing day. So you could really cover some ground doing so. So I think he uh, hopefully he finds the value in that. He understands that you really can't do it without your teammates. You really start to get other guys on the bandwagon as well. All right, for sure. So hopping back to your freshman year, you mentioned playing time was a big draw for you. Uh, in 2006, you guys were 2-10, and 10, but you kind of see the flashes there. And I think the biggest one was that was that Michigan State game. There was the Ohio State game that was close, but the Michigan State game you actually won on the road. At East Lansing, and you guys were really kind of climbing out of the cellar. So, when did you look around and kind of realize that, okay, there's some potential here for uh, a turnaround as soon as next season, like we saw? Yeah, it was probably the Michigan State game because um, we lost we lost a few nail biters early on. Um, you know, we I think we beat Eastern Illinois the first game of the year. We got pummeled at Rutgers. Um, we lost a close one to uh, to Syracuse at home. Uh, we got beat up on a little bit. My first start against Iowa that year, I had a horrible, probably my worst game in college. Uh, played against Iowa, I think I threw like four interceptions or something like that. But the following game, we come back, we beat Michigan State. And I think from there, you know, Michigan State wasn't a pushover at the time. They had some really good players, really good coach at the time. And to do it, I think it was homecoming for them too. Um, to go up there to East Lansing and win a game like that, I think for us, it's particularly the younger guys on the team to say, hey, whether we 18 or 19 years old, like, we can go out here and compete. You know, of course it takes a little time and more experience we get, the better we will be. But from that game on, I think we start to, you know, you start to see a shift in how, you know, just how we move, how we bounce around the field, how much confidence that, you know, we projected, um, you know, on every Saturday. You start to see that throughout the season. Now, again, we ended up ultimately 2-10 for the year. But you look at some of those games, it was just pure experiences why we were losing some of those nail biters. We go up, we lay an egg in Wisconsin, we up, I think, 20 points, you know, in Madison. We lose that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, we lay an egg against Indiana. We up homecoming. We up big in the first quarter. They end up creeping back. Again, just all experience. Ohio State we had on the road. So, uh, you know, you put some experience behind that, we probably win those games. But you start to see that transition and us actually do win those games the following year was ultimately led to a Rose Bowl. Absolutely. And you're in studio today. I haven't mentioned on the podcast yet, but you're here because we're going to be rewatching a couple of games from your playing days. Uh, the Ohio State game, which everyone remembers when you upset number one. And the Michigan game from your junior year where you, you uh, had a big win at the big house. So we'll get into those games in depth, so everyone needs to check that out. Uh, that'll be on Facebook Live. But I do want to ask you a couple questions on the podcast about that magical season of 2007. What are some of the memories that stick out most vividly for you, just thinking back on that 07 season, that, that entire run? Um, it's a broad question, but I feel like most athletes have some, some vivid memories that stick out. What yeah. sticks out to you? Yeah, so most people, a lot of people I talk to uh, from that team will, will say either the Penn State game or the Wisconsin game. I think I'll take it a little bit further than that. Um, I'll go back into the Missouri game. So a lot of people will probably remember that I actually got hurt. I think it was the second quarter of that game. I left the game with a mild concussion. It's the first game of the year in first, St. Louis. First of the game of the year, we was playing Missouri. 
Um, and I get hurt in the second quarter. My concussion, I'm done for the game. And, you know, you you really – you probably wouldn't, would expect for it's like, all right, this game is over. Here we go again. You know, we lose the starting quarterback. But Eddie McGee comes in and goes to work, like, it, almost immediately. Eddie hadn't played. He redshirted that first year, so he was a redshirt freshman coming up that season. And Eddie pretty almost led a fourth-quarter comeback, you know, against one of the top teams in the country. And from there, it was an eye-opener for me personally to say, hey, you know, you don't you don't slow this train down because we're on to something big, right? So you getting hurt, you need to recover fast because we have other guys, not just at quarterback, not just at receiver uh, on defense. We have guys all over the place that's ready to step in and ready to go out there and be dynamic players. So that was really an eye-opener for me. As to you know, really coming to the, I guess I can say coming to the office, ready to work every single day, and giving it in my all, and uh, you know that really started it for me. You know, say hey, let's put it all everything we got into this season, uh, because we can do something really special here. But I think everyone as a team, we started to realize and rally around the fact that we were actually a really good team when we beat Penn State, who was ranked number thirteen at the time at home. That was Regis coming out party. He had mm-hmm. a kickoff return. He had a huge. Um, reception touchdown we brought like five or six tackles something like that and like that's when guys really start to like you know really think like hey we can do this us beating Wisconsin the following week uh, number five in the country that was like the turning point it's like alright we, we're here like we're one of the best teams in the country now let's go out here and play and you see that momentum just you know push us all the way through to the Ohio State game we beat the number one team and lead us to a Rose Bowl for sure and I vividly remember those two Penn State game or the Penn State game and the Wisconsin game I was there for those and like you know it just kind of had like they're both beautiful days you know it was ranked teams coming in I don't think Memorial Stadium had been like that in a long time yeah. so uh, I can definitely see why the team would, would remember those fondly but it's interesting you mentioned that the Missouri game was one for you because most fans probably wouldn't expect that so I like to ask those questions because yeah. you, you kind of get that insight um, I want to move on to the the Rose Bowl and I know the result was not what you wanted but <laughs> what do you remember most about the uh kind of the pomp and circumstance surrounding the Rose Bowls. You know, it's the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. It's always a big deal. It's it's the most glamorous bowl, I think, and I think most people would agree. What do you most remember about that entire experience and everything leading up to it? Yeah, so as a football fan, as a football player, yes, the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of them all. But just saying it, it does no justice until you actually go out there and you experience it. So I remember uh, us having to report in Champaign on Christmas, which was a little frustrating at the time because Christmas is my favorite holiday. So I had to leave Chicago just to get back to Champaign and be ready to be there for the flight. But, you know, we arrived in Beverly Hills. That's where we were staying in California. And just from there, just from the hotel experience, you have fans everywhere. You have Rose Bowl posters everywhere. You have all this, uh, you know, all the facts about, you know, the Rose Bowl over the years and, you know, some of the Rose Bowl history and things like that. Uh, we had a chance to eat with. Uh, like the Ro- I think it was the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl pageantry, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually ate, uh, ate dinner with the Rose Bowl queen at the time. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool too. Not to brag, but yeah, not to <laughs> brag a little. But I had I think I had everything to do with me being a quarterback. Um, but yeah, just the entire experience is just the, the tradition, the history. Like some of the people, some of the Rose Bowl alums, the presidents and alums, uh, the parade. You know, you really start to get around, and you really start to see. Uh, how special that game really means, and not just the actual game itself, but the festivities around it—from going to Disney, being a special guest there, to you know participating in the Beef Bowl, like Laurie's, everything like that. So it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a chance to meet a ton of alums that's, that were there local in um, in California. Uh, you know, the Dick Buckuses and David Williams of the world. Um, 
I actually got a call from uh, Hugh Hefner. Oh, wow. Uh, just out of the blue, um, just like, hey, congratulations. Of course, it was an invite, but, you know, we, we opted <laughs> out of that. Um, but, but no, it was a great, great experience. And I, and I remember from the actual game, the moment you kind of come out the tunnel there and you see that view, you see the mountains in the backdrop, and you see, you know, 90,000 pack where, for us, it was about 35,000 of, you know, in attendance, yeah, yeah. Uh, orange in the stands. And he's just like, wow, just like, this is it. Like, we're the only game on in America right now. Everyone's watching this game right now. And for me, I was the quarterback of it. So it was a pretty special moment. Now, like you said, it, was, it wasn't it was the results that we wanted. You know, that game was a lot closer than the final score indicates. But um, USC was a good team. You know, you look at that defense. You know, I brag all the time. I played against USC, basically, a.k.a. the Patriots at the time. Right. Like, they were that good. So, but we hung in there for a little bit, and uh, just third quarter got a little bit out of hand, and you know, ultimately we end up, uh, you know, dropping the ball there. But all in all, a great season, great experience, and that's something that you know we'll, we'll have be able to remember. Right. I kind of remind people when they talk about that game. Uh, like you said in the third quarter, I think it had potential to be a twenty-one seventeen game. Mm-hmm. Play didn't go your way, and then the game got out of hand. So yeah. what, you know, it, who knows what happens if you? Got yeah, a we had yeah two. We had a, we had two fumbles on the goal line. Um, like within like the five yard line, something like that. About us about to score, I threw an interception in the third quarter. And you can't constantly make those mistakes against a good team like mm-hmm. that. So Pete Garrow is he, he's a mastermind in capitalizing on those mistakes. That's exactly what they did. All right, so we'll uh, get into a little bit about the season after um, 2008 season, your junior year and beyond on the Facebook Live. We'll ask some questions, but we got to get moving here. Um, so I want to ask you about the current. State of Illinois football under Lovey Smith. You mentioned you, you met Lovey when you were trying out for the Bears and you're in their camp. And obviously he's had two rough years, but I think the momentum that he's gotten through recruiting has most fans and media thinking that the arrow uh, should be pointed up. So, what are your thoughts on the current state of the Illinois program? Yeah, so I tell people all the time um, in terms of turning around a program and getting back to his win- winning tradition, there aren't you know, guys, and there, there, there aren't two or three guys that's on those leadership chairs that's more fit for that position. So, Lovey obviously been a head coach with the football department. Um, you know, you talk about Coach Underwood over in basketball. You talk about Josh Whitman as an HD, uh, as an AD. Um, I think those three guys have the leadership. They have the skill set to turn the program around because it takes it takes effort from everyone, not just football, just not basketball, things like that, not just administration, but everyone's a holistic uh, effort. And I think those guys are the right individuals in those seats to turn the program around. Football in particular, I think Lovey is making some ground because you have to recruit. It, and it's only getting harder when you start to talk about, you know, new teams into the Big Ten. I didn't have to worry about, you know, uh, Nebraska. I didn't have to worry about Rutgers or Maryland. Uh, but you add those, that takes away from the recruiting piece, right? That's just how much more co- uh, competitive that the Big Ten recruiting gets. And so it seems he's starting to make make some leeway in terms of, you know, grabbing some of the top players in the country. And that will reflect on the football field. And it takes time. I mean, even next year, you might have, say, love to get a top five recruiting class. It's not an instant sort of, mm-hmm. you know, reflection on the field. Like, that takes time to groom those guys, to get them in the system, to get them used to a college schedule, get them used to the college game speed for it to all sort of resonate and start to produce wins. So it'll take some time, and I think he's on a, he's on the right trajectory in doing so. He has a great staff, great players, great philosophy in place. And I think I think he has a shot to do it. If anyone knows how to turn around in like football, you do, Juice, so I'm glad to get you <laughs> there. Um, all right, last question before we wrap up. I know you're into pop culture. Um, 
one memory that sticks out is when on Modern Family, uh, when oh, the yeah, character yeah, Cam, yeah. Cam, yeah, somehow <laughs> he was like supposed to be an Illinois football player, and he yeah. came out wearing your jersey. What did you think when you saw that? That was pretty cool, and I, I think I think I took a picture of it because I just realized he actually did it in two episodes. Okay. So the first episode he did it, he was just like, "Hey, we want to watch University of Illinois again." He came out like out of the room with my jersey. And I thought that was pretty cool. And more recently, it was another episode. I think it was like Poolside or something like that. And he had the jersey on again. Really? So I thought that. I, I didn't thought know that they did it again. Cool. It was two separate episodes where he did it. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I kind of now, now my kids are old enough they can see and identify. It's like, hey, dad, that's your jersey. So it was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, the first one when it happened, that was when Modern Family was really hot. Like it was, yeah. it was popular, and that's when I watched it. I didn't realize it came out again, but that's that's yeah. pretty cool. All right, so Juice, we're gonna get you set up, and we're gonna uh, watch some of those old games on Facebook Live. So I encourage a lot of fans listening to. Tune into that. It'll be up on Facebook uh, for eternity once we wrap it up here. <laughs> so everyone check that out. But uh, thanks for sitting down before the before the broadcast Absolutely. to jump my on pleasure. the podcast. I appreciate it. Man. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm excited to, to, to reminisce about these couple of games. So let's get to it. All right, let's do it. Thanks once again to Juice for joining me. Really fun dude to sit down and, and chat with. And it was super engaging. And it's great to see him doing so well post-football as one of the uh, all-time most memorable Illini to ever take the field. And before we sign off here on the Take 10 Podcast, I just wanted to bring up something that I actually tweeted about last week that I didn't realize was going on when I released the last episode, but once I looked back, I realized it uh, had been just over a year since we launched the Take 10 Podcast, so just want to thank all the fans out there for listening and following along throughout now 60 episodes. Uh, not sure when I launched if this thing would last 60 episodes, but it has, and I've really enjoyed doing it, and I have no plans on slowing down or, or stopping anytime soon. So it's been fun talking to a wide variety of personalities related to Big Ten sports, and I hope you guys have had as much fun listening as I have uh, had pulling it off. So appreciate that. I appreciate Wes White for editing, producing, and helping me out with this throughout the entire run of the Take 10 Podcast, so shout out to him as always. And like I said, we'll keep it moving, and I'll talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast.